It's a Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, Punk Rock Reflection, with Daphne McMenemy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy plan time. Maybe you're eating some breakfast. There's a chance you might be commuting. If you're like me, you're probably not commuting because you're in your basement or your home office, but welcome to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. Yeah, we're, we're glad you're here. Uh, we've got Mike Earnshaw, the man who just introed us. Uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a year, over a year, and I totally you forgot think, to say, yeah. I think I'm, you know that, but Mike is a principal in uh, Lansing, Illinois, and I'm Josh Buckley, a social studies teacher from Mesa, Arizona, and we are glad you're here on this Punk Rock Collaboration episode, because uh, at the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast, we want to we want to bring people on, <clears throat> bring people together that we think really embody, embody the idea of sort of the DIY ethic, the kind of do-it-yourself, the passion, the unity aspects of it, and we have a guest today. That we're excited to dive into a little bit Super like pretty, pretty DIY conversation we're going to have today. I'm stoked about it. Uh, Daphne McMenemy is here. Daphne is a teacher, a author, a speaker, a STEM enthusiast. The list, I'm sure we could tack on more stuff. But Daphne, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of so, course. Definitely. You know, I, you know, we, we went to the website, we looked at it, we've seen what you've got going on. Can you tell us, can you tell our audience, if they don't know you a little bit about yourself, what's your role in education? What do you, what do you, what and where do you teach? And then a little bit about what you do beyond that in, in the realm of education. All right. So I have been teaching for 15 years and I've been teaching anywhere in the K to three space. Um, I am actually in uh, Ontario, Canada. I teach uh, just outside of Toronto for all of our U.S. listeners. And uh, for our Canadian listeners, I teach out in Brampton in Ontario. And uh, yeah, so I've been in the classroom for 15 years and I love it. I, uh, this year, just with, with all of the, the changes going on and, and obviously um, the, 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 my least favorite word, you know, the unprecedented times that we're <laughs> air quoting for those right. who can't see. Um, so I've been moved around some grades, but I spent the last three years in kindergarten, which um, is, has been one of my favorite places to be. And it's, it's chaos and it's beautiful and it's amazing. It's an amazing place to be. Um, this year, I've moved up into uh, first and second grade. So or grade one and grade two, I teach together, which again, those low primary grades. So in Ontario, our primary grades are K, one, two, and three. And the, the low primary grades are where, where my heart is. I love working with our youngest learners. We have a ton of fun. We have too much fun sometimes on Sundays. <laughs> the, the four walls of my classroom are, are organized chaos. And um, I love every, every, everything about it. Fantastic. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I got to throw in there because so my whole background, I taught middle school as AP middle school. So, you know, I'm an elementary principal now. I've been that for eight years and elementary is a whole different realm in kindergarten. Like you said, like, that's where your heart is. Like, and, and I, I tell this to the kindergarten teachers all the time. It takes someone special. Like you have to want to the be energy a you need to <laughs> because you, kindergarten. you literally, like when I taught, if I was just having one of those days where I'm like, all right, I just need to take a break. I'm tired. All right, kids, we're going to independently read <laughs> the next t- couple chapters. And then we'll discuss in your group and I'll be here, you know, but a kindergarten, like you, you got to be on 
on all day. So no, I, but go yeah, ahead, Josh. Yeah. So so Daphne, you, so you you you're in those primary grades, and this is what I think is really interesting, right? So so not only are you an educator, but you also have a series of books, right, that you've written about Gracie, right? Yes. And it's aimed at uh, younger grades in STEM and you know coding. Can you tell me? Because I think there's, there's a connection, this idea between a play-based, inquiry-based kindergarten, and then maybe transitioning to that more of the idea of, of STEM or coding, or what does that look like? And how did you tell us about Gracie, tell us about the book series, and tell us a little bit about where all that came from? So about, I think about five years ago, um, I went to an ed tech conference, and I've told the story so many times, so forgive me if you've heard it, but... Um, I was watching this teacher. She was talking about coding in her classroom and robotics. And it came to light that she was a kindergarten teacher. And so she had, she was showing all of, all of these things that were happening in her classroom by four and five-year-olds. And my mind was blown. Um, and I immediately knew that I needed to do this in my classroom. From the time I was little, I loved computers. I loved, you know, uh, robots and STEM. And, and I loved all of that stuff, but I didn't know that that's what it all was. I just, that was just my childhood. I didn't know any different. Um, that same year, I had a group of sort of really disengaged kids, um, and I was really struggling to, to, you know, find their hook, find their passion, that sort of thing. So after this conference, I brought these, I bought these robots. They were in my Amazon cart before I left the conference. <laughs> they were in my house before the week was over, and I literally opened them at school, um, and I said, let's, let's figure this out. I had never coded in that way before. Um, I had done stuff, you know, when I was in high school, but I'd never had any sort of robots in front of me that I was using an iPad to, to, to code with. So um, the best thing that I ever did as a teacher was bring these things into my classroom side by side with my kids and we figured it out together. And all of a sudden these kids who, you know, were not that interested in being at school or who were there just because their parents said that they had to go <laughs> all of a sudden had a reason to be there. there you, I just started seeing, you know, sparks fly and, and passions coming to light. And, you know, Gracie came from that year. Gracie came from the idea that there are, we have kids at school who are just there because that's what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and they just sort of wander aimlessly and, you know, they do their best and they do their thing, but they, they haven't found a passion. And I became really passionate about helping them find their passion and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be computer science, um, right. but that's what worked that year. And I started to see these, you know, really quiet kids, these really hesitant learners, these kids who were definitely afraid of taking any sort of risk or, you know, thinking outside the box or walking, you know, straying from the line. All of a sudden, this, these tools, this, this technology, this type of learning just made them, you know, different kids different kids. And I saw, I saw a difference in behavior. I saw a difference in enthusiasm. I saw a difference in, I had one little boy who didn't talk to me for four months for the first four months of school. And then all of a sudden I put these robots in his hand. And by the end of the year, he was actually presenting, he was six, he was presenting um, to other students older than him, how to code using these, these robots. I had oh, a little that's, girl. That's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I had a little girl who I remember for the first little while, you know, we had our computer lab and, you know, once a week we'd get to go to the lab and, and, you know, play whatever games that they had set up for us in the lab. And um, for the first couple of weeks she would go and she would do as I asked because I asked. And um, eventually she got to a point where she just started asking if she could bring paper and crayons 
to the computer lab because she didn't want to play. She didn't want, when we brought out iPads, she wasn't interested. And I never forced any technology at my students. Mm -hmm. You know, it was something that I loved. I wanted you to try it. If you hated it, I wasn't going to force it. Mm -hmm. Um, So she used to bring, she used to bring paper to draw pictures while everybody sat in the lab and played video games. Then all of a sudden this robot showed up in the classroom and this was something completely different. And she ended up, we had, um, we had a student led conference from K to 12. She, sorry, not K to 12, from three to 12. Um, I, because I was part of it, I was allowed to bring my, my grade two students at the time. And she was the youngest person. She stood in front of a crowd of 200 people and gave her own little mini Ted talk about why coding made her feel smart and why it was so important. That is is fantastic. I mean, like everything you said ticks those boxes of like, you know, Mike and I talk a lot about the idea of like DIY and and passion being super important in the classroom and and everything Mm -hmm. that you just talked about was like, I love the idea that you just brought, you didn't even try to open it up at home and figure it out at home. You're like, no, we're going to do this together. I don't know it. You don't know it. That's cool. That's how you, that's such engagement. Like you're not teaching them how to do it. You're learning with them and problem solving with them. And that, and that's fantastic. And I I like, when you got, you got to remember, you're talking about primary grade students too. These weren't fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade students. Like these are five, six, maybe seven year old kids. Like that's amazing. Like, so when I started awesome. bringing these, when I started sort of um, doing all of this stuff in the classroom, um, I had a lot of naysayers, if you will. Um, not a lot of people believed in what I was bringing forth. They didn't, you know, what it looked like in my classroom was we were just playing with robots or we were just playing on iPads and it, took a lot of convincing for people to see that it, this wasn't just playing with these toys that we were actually doing some pretty incredible learning and what was happening as a result to these kids uh, for these kids with these kids uh, for me and for themselves and for one another was massive learning that I hadn't unlocked until I brought this type of learning to them. So what that sort of set me on this journey of um, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> And, you know, and, and not to be, not to be, um, you know, confrontational in any way, shape or form, but the more I brought this type of technology, this type of learning to my students, the more I heard um, it's not for kids this age, you know, this is for older kids. Um, And so that made me do more research, whether it was book research, whether it was practical research, whether it was hands on my classroom to, I knew that this was what I needed to do and I knew why, um, but I needed to, to, to get more personal research in there and, and prove why this was such an important way of learning, especially for our kids now, you know, uh, worksheets yeah. don't cut it anymore. No, and so, they do not. <laughs> so nope. this, this, needed, this needed to happen for me and for these kids. And I was absolutely determined to prove that this type of learning was not only beneficial, but almost essential now for, for our kids. And so the more people said, this is not for kids this age, the lower I brought it. And I'm super proud to say that on the first day of kindergarten, I have my JK students, some of which are three years old with robots in their hand coding on the first day of school. That's so awesome. Because they can, you know, it's no different than picking up a pencil. You can (laughs) write your name on the first day of school. You can pick up a robot, go for it. Let's do it. You know, I want to, I want to run with this. I, you are wearing a code, like a girl shirt. I want to, <laughs> yes. I want to talk a little bit about 
Why do you think coding and STEM are so important in education? And then I want to add on to that. Like you are, you're, you're writing a book series. It's about a, a young girl who gets into coding. I do like, you know, the tagline that you've got an innovator doesn't complain about the problem. She solves it. I love that. Um, and so my, my, my question is, why do you think coding and STEM are so important in education? And particularly, you know, what, why do you think it's important to make sure that our, you know, that our, our, our female students are, 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 you're getting into this as well, that it's not, you know, we're not leaving science to the boys. So the statistics are staggering um, in terms of STEM and, and women and girls. Um, and I mean, I'm part of the statistic. I'm not in a STEM career. I'm an educator. So, um, you know, when I started looking at the statistics and I started, you know, th even thinking about my own upbringing, um, I wasn't your typical girl. So I grew up in the eighties and nineties and, you know, there was your favorite color was supposed to be pink and you were supposed to like dresses right. and Barbies and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, Hey, I liked all of those things, but I also like to do at the time, what people would have called boy things. I had an older brother, you know, I played sports, I played video games. I would build things and play in the dirt. I do all of those things. I also did. I also played with Barbies and dolls and, you know, wore a dress if my mother forced me to every now and then. <laughs> so, you know, and now I'm raising a little girl who um, is very much like me. You know, she's, she's atypical. She doesn't do, she, she doesn't follow the stereotype. And I started seeing that in some of my students, you know, oh, that's, that's for boys or that's for girls or, you know, and I saw very early on that there was this idea that there were girl things and that there were boy things. Um, and I was absolutely determined to kill that stereotype, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a girl and you want to play with, you know, Ninja Turtles, have at her. If you're a boy and you want to play with Barbies, go for it. It's, it's not girl or boy, it's, it's you. And whatever you want to do, you need to do. So I very much push for girls in STEM because I see those, those statistics and how much... Um, or how quickly they drop off the older uh, women get. And there are a lot of um, statistics that show the, um, that there are women graduating with STEM degrees that are not in STEM careers. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why. For me, if I can play my part and I can show my girls and boys um, that this is not a girl thing. It's not a boy thing. It's a you thing. And it's a passion thing. Then go for it. Do you and do it the best that you want to do. And like I said, I've never, I've never forced, you know, coding or, or um, ed tech on any of my students, but I've exposed them to it. And I haven't had a single student who has said, I, I hate this. You know, there's some that, 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 you know, connect to it more than others, of course, right, just like anything. Right. Um, but then there's some who just, you know, their world is, is sort of blown open because they didn't know this type of learning sort of existed. And that's where Gracie came from. Gracie is a little girl who she's, her personality was based on four students that I taught that were just sort of near and dear to my heart. And I took all four of them and put them into one. And Gracie is a little girl who just goes through the motions at school. And then one day her teacher brings a robot to school and teaches her how to code. And all of a sudden her imagination goes wild and she's able to, incorporate all of her learning with this little robot, which is in the story called GoBot. So that first book came out uh, last year at this time, we're almost actually almost at a year, uh, December 12th. Um, and then this summer, I collaborated with Brian Aspinall. So he has this sketch note all over the internet called uh, 10 Reasons to Teach Coding. And it was drawn, it was, it was um, spoken by him, it was drawn by Sylvia Duckworth. 
And it's something that I've used in all of the presentations that I've done to convince our school council that we need money for <laughs> robotics and, uh, and, and technology. And so I took that and I put a Gracie spin on it with his permission. So I drew my own sort of sketch note. Um, and instead of 10 reasons to teach coding, it was 10 things that happened when I learned to code mm. and it was the kid perspective. So, nice. you know, when I learned to code, I am a risk taker. I persevere. I'm a problem solver. All of those sort of um, soft skills. A lot of people don't necessarily immediately connect to coding. Um, so Brian and I together collaborated this summer and put both of those graphics uh, together. We like had, you know, we sat on a zoom call for, for 20 minutes, half an hour. And we, turned both of those um, ideas into a book. So that was the second Gracie book and it's called What Happens When I Learn to Code. And that one really is, it dives into those soft skills. So, you know, when I learn to code, I am a risk taker and then it gives you the reasons why. And it connects coding to the real life things that kids are doing and it allows kids to make those connections for, you know, why they're coding. And then the third Gracie is actually due out um, this week and it's oh, called, wow. yeah, I'm super, super excited. We just finished uh, my uh, illustrator, um, Alexandria Massey, amazing, just sent me the illustration. So I was actually just building that book before uh, we hopped on here. And this one is called Gracie the Maker. So this one is uh, Gracie meets a new character. Her name is Edie. And um, they together, they have a, a class pet that has a problem. And together they come up with an idea to make sort of a, a Rube Goldberg machine, if you will that incorporates uh, GoBot and they, so they code GoBot, they build this machine and their, their hope is to help this tortoise that's, together. That's, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So I, you know, what I, what I want to do is we're kind of, we're kind of running down. We, we've got the idea that, you know, you've got this out there about why STEM is important. So can you, can you tell me like, I'm not going to ask you to tell me the 10 things because I want people to go and <laughs> check it out, but what right. do you think the, um, what do you think the big, um, what's the big reason that we should get kids, even at those youngest grades, to be coding? Do you know what? The biggest thing for me is it teaches them that mistakes happen, but that it, they're not a bad thing. So if I, if I create a code for my robot and it doesn't work, then I don't just throw the robot off to the side and move yeah. on. I, I go back and I debug. And it allows kids to, to persevere um, without that frustration piece, without realizing that that's what they're really doing. Their, their job is to get that robot from point A to point B, and they're not going to stop till they do it. And then those skills transfer to everything else that they're doing. Um, suddenly they learn that, well, I don't need to give up if I can't spell a word or if I can't figure this problem out. And it, they, they transfer to, to sort of all areas of their, of their academic and, and behavioral space in the classroom. So that perseverance is a really, really big thing. Risk-taking and problem-solving, again, huge. A lot of these kids are, or a lot of my kids, rather, were afraid to take those risks. They'd never yeah. seen this type of robot. They, you know, they, they knew they're in the way, their way around an iPad, but it was what they only, the, the programs or the games that they right. knew. Right. So you know, to give them something brand new that they were willing to go do. Now, when you're having conversations with them later, when they're, they're hesitant to do something, we can always bring it back. Remember the time that you, and then you didn't give up because you needed to yeah, get the robot, yeah, yeah. you know, all of those examples. And so they start making those connections to, oh, okay, so if I could have, if I did it then, then I can do it now with this. It doesn't have to be about, you know, coding this time, but I did it then I can do it now. So I found that, 
it, you know, they just really start to enjoy they're learning more because it's yeah. not, you know, we're, we're moving into that hands-on that, that, um, you know, they're, they're leading their own learning and then they suddenly start to just take more risks and they start to become more engaged in their learning. They get more excited about their learning and it trickles through every single thing that they do. That's I mean, those, yeah. those are some like, those are some big things that we want all, we want all kids to kind of be engaged in that learning. So my last, my last question for you before we kind of wrap things up is, is how, you know, you talked about early on that you got some pushback that people didn't think that this was the right thing to do. And as punk rock guys, we totally get that, right? We're totally about fighting the system and, and you know, upending things a little bit. But how can we encourage teachers who might be, you know, unsure, reluctant, reluctant unsure to bring this in? How can we encourage them or how would you say, what, 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 what words would you have for them to encourage them to embrace STEM? That was the question I was going to ask. To <laughs> We're just so smart, Mike. <laughs> you know what? This is actually the perfect question because next week is computer science education week. And um, I'm a giant nerd and I'm ex- so excited to <laughs> see week. Perfect opportunity so things you can do for CSS. It's very cliche. Some Brian had said to me once upon a time when I, he was asking me about um, wanting to write a book. And I had said, I didn't, I've always wanted to write a book. I just didn't know how. And he mm-hmm. said, you just start. And so now that's what I say to people. You just start. So coding doesn't need to be uh, a, you know, expensive robots in front of you. It can be as simple as a piece of paper with a grid and a bunch of arrows to get something from point A to point B. Um, look to Twitter, look to your PLN for, for those ideas. There's, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of really simple resources, um, on Twitter, you know, shameless plug on, uh, if you go to discovergreasy.com, I've got a few uh, ideas there as well for no tech, for low tech, for high tech. You can really, there's, it's what's so great about coding is what we call sort of that sandbox learning environment Mm -hmm. where, you can start at with as basic as you want and get as advanced as you want. And it really just depends on your comfort level. And the biggest thing I always say to teachers is it's, it's, it's usually us who are hesitant. It's not the kids. So if you don't know what to do, learn with them. And more often than not, you'll learn together. And a lot of teachers are afraid, you know, I don't know what to do. That's okay. Figure it out together. You know, and when the kids say, I don't know what this does or what happens if I, my answer has always been, I don't know, let's figure it out. Push those <laughs> buttons. Don't be afraid. I love that. <laughs> uh, I know. That's awesome. That's great uh, advice. Th- that's great. And then, um, so Daphne, um, we always ask our guests this because we're the punk rock classrooms podcast. It doesn't have to be punk rock. We know that everybody's not, not into what we're into, but what have you been listening to that, that gets you going in the morning? That's getting you through stuff. It could be a podcast, an audio book, uh, music. What, what have you been listening to that's helping you get going? Oh, do you know? Okay. Oh God. So don't judge me. No um, judgment. No so judgment. It's a judgment. We don't judge. Yeah, we don't zone. judge music. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a child of the eighties and nineties. And uh, I recently discovered this um, station on, on um, Apple Music, and it's all of that sort of 90s, you know, Gin Blossoms, Matchbox 20. Um, oh, that's fantastic. That's good. That's yeah. Counting that, Crows, Live, all of those bands. 
Thanks. So that's sort of the playlist I hit up in the morning. That's Booty awesome. In the yeah. in there. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Daphne, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Where, that's my dog barking in the background. Where can people find you online? Where can they find you online? All right. You can find me on Twitter at McMenemy Tweets. And you can find me on, so my website is DaphneMcMenemy.com. And you can hit up the Gracie website, which is discovergracie.com. And Gracie's on Twitter as well at Discover Gracie. And if you get, once you're on my website, you'll find all my, my socials are there. But uh, Twitter is where I spend most of my professional time. And um, Facebook is where I spend a lot of personal time yeah. posting ridiculous things <laughs> <laughs> well, that are a lot less professional, but <laughs> well, we'll make sure that all that gets in the show notes. So you guys, you, you can find Daphne, you can find Gracie, you can go check out the book, the one that's just coming out and go back and find the other ones and, and, and get in those primary grades and embrace STEM and, and coding with your kids. Again, Daphne, so much. Thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. Thank Folks, you. Remember that you can find Mike and I on Twitter at uh, punk classrooms, or you can find me at Josh R. Buckley and Mike at Mike, Mike R. Earnshaw. All of those work on Instagram as well. And the website, punkrockclassrooms.com, blogs, podcasts, show notes, all that good stuff. Again, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Daphne. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Mike and I will see you at the show. At the show.